Praise God, I did give a handout, so if you don't... Sister Kermis, there's a couple. I think there was only three left, so if you can share, there should be enough. But Amen. As you can tell from your handout, we want to talk about repentance. And a turn from sin to God. And we're going to start out by going to Acts chapter 26 and verse 18. But I think I'll probably skip a little further back than verse 18. When Paul was talking about this example of him talking about his conversion experience and the change that was taking place in his life. And let's begin reading in verse number 13 in chapter 26. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. Anybody here can relate to having that kind of a experience when, when you come to God. I was on my way to Damascus, or I, I was on my way to, to Sioux Falls. I was on my way to, to wherever, somewhere, and all of a sudden, a bright light from heaven shined down upon me and blocked my way and blinded me. And uh, Anybody had that kind of experience when you came to God? Pretty exceptional, isn't it? So, but if I were to take time to go around the room and talk about everybody's initial repentance experience, there'd be things that are no less miraculous happening in people's lives, no less arresting of, of where we're going and what we're doing, no less arresting of what we had planned for our lives. And God stepped in the way and God stepped into our lives and God made himself known to us and, and known his intention to us that he wanted us. That He wanted our lives. That He wanted us to turn ourselves to Him. He wanted us to commit ourselves to, to knowing Him. So maybe it wasn't a big blinding flash of light and blinded us and, and we were blind for three days and fasted and, and, and had somebody come and pray for us to renew us and, and God speak to us audibly just like that. But it was no less of a touch from God in our lives that turned us aside and turned us around and turned us into a direction that we ought to go. And that's what the repentance experience ought to be like in your life, that it was a complete and utter change, a complete and utter time where you could mark the time and mark the place where you, where you met a presence of God in your life and mark the time and a place where something happened to me and I wasn't the same. And I can tell you that coming up here in, in a few months, it's going to be 42 years, 41 years ago. What year is it? 42 years I'm not good at math. I missed a couple of days. But 42 years ago, coming soon, and it still moves me. It still puts me to tears. It still does something in my life when I think about the time that I cried out to God and He heard me. And, and 40 some, 42 years ago, coming this February, it'll be, and it still moves me to tears. It still stirs up something inside of me. It still wakes up something that I'm so thankful for what God has done and so thankful for the place that he brought me to. And here we see the example of Paul standing before King Agrippa and telling his testimony of how a bright light shined around. But I can tell you exactly the time and the place and I can tell you what God did to my life to direct me to a place where I could find a place of repentance. And, and in, in a lot of our lives and a lot of examples, what had to happen in my life was it completely, utterly fell apart. 21 years old and it was... Uh, and I part, this is not even part of the notes here, but I, I, it was just a, God had take us to a place where there was 
where either there was repentance or there, or there was an insane asylum, maybe. We'll just go with that route. But either I was going to, something was going to change in my life or something was going to change in my life. But I thank God that he heard. I didn't even know him. I had no idea who that he was. I only knew that I needed a God and I cried out. And it was later that I learned it was Jesus. It was later that I learned about the the Godhead. It was later that I learned about baptism in Jesus' name. It was later that I understood and had a revelation of who he was. But when I cried out to him, it was only a cry of a broken, lonely heart. And God heard that. But along the way to get to that place, it was no less miraculous in my life and no less miraculous in your life when God turned your attention from where you were going and what you had in plan and what you had in store and put your attention on the fact that God has a use for you in his kingdom. God has a plan for you in in, in what he wants to do and he wanted to get your attention. And I thank God that, that Paul sharing his example that a bright light shining around, around about me and them that journeyed with me. In verse 14, and when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul, what are you doing? And the same question we could ask ourselves, what are you doing? What were you doing? What was happening in your life that God stopped you from where you were going and, and asked you some important question about what are you going to do with yourself? What's happening in your life? And he says, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he said, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And, you know, when I repented, I didn't even ask, who are you, Lord? I said, God want to know who are you? Who are you? And I thank God that that it wasn't prerequisite on the fact that I knew who he was, but he knew who I was. It wasn't prerequisite on the fact that I had an understanding, but it was only prerequisite that I had a repentant heart, that I had a change. And so he said, "But but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared to thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things which... In the which I will appear to thee. Rise up. Stand up on your feet. I got something for you to do. And God speaks to every one of us in that way today. That when he calls you to a repentance experience. And when he calls you to a change in your direction. And where you're going and what you're doing. It's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. And every one of our purposes is different. But each of us have a, have a, a, have a responsibility to God that when He directs and turns our lives around, God has a purpose for you. He has something He wants you to do. And, and in doing that, what God calls you to do, you're making a difference in somebody's life. And we can look at our lives and say, God, use me. Use me to make a difference. Use me, God, to touch somebody's life. Use my testimony of what you've done and what you've put in our lives. Let it be effective to change the world that I live in. Let there be something that my family can see, that I'm not what I used to be. Or let my neighbors see, or let my job co-workers see that there's something different. And let them begin to understand, that, that guy, there's something different about him. He's not what he used to be. He's not the man that he used to be. He doesn't say the things he used to say or go where he used to go. But God has a purpose in in each of us in saving us and bringing us into repentance. And he said in verse 17, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Paul got a very specific direction and a very specific purpose from God and what he wanted him to do. I'm sending you directly and I thank God for that. And now, to, and this is the reason 
the, the, the reason, he says, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith in that that is in me, sanctified by faith that is in me, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, receive forgiveness. That's what his commission was to be, and that's what our repentance experience ought to have an effect upon people that are around us. And he said, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them at Damascus, at Jerusalem, throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. And do works meet for repentance. And in your notes it says it involves an intellectual change, a change of view. I don't want to think... this. My opinions became different. They, they became aligned with the Word of God. My opinions really don't matter. They're just that, opinions. And everybody has one. It's like a nose, everybody's got one and they all smell. And that's what your opinions are worth. They smell. <laughs> I don't mean to offend anybody, but understand today that when we come into a repentance experience, it involves a change of our views, a change of our opinions, a change of the way we think about things. It reflects a change in our lives. It involves an emotional change, a change of feelings. A change of what moves me, a change of what excites me, a change of what, what, what I get excited about. And, and I'm not t- telling you got to just be, uh, you, you can't get excited about anything else. You, if I was to say that, I'd be run out of this place because there's ducks to kill. <laughs> there's fish to catch. I kind of like riding on a Harley. I get excited about that. But, you know, but it involves an emotional change in our lives. The things that I, I get excited about, I, the things that I, I am moved by, the things I long for, the places I want to go. I, you know, I long to go to church. I, I'm excited about going to church. I'm excited about being a, a part of something. I'm excited about it. it. It's what I long for. It's the feeling that I have. I, I, and and uh, I, I like the people of God. And I know y'all got the Holy Ghost because you, you say you like me. So I'm just here to check, see if whether you prayed through or not. <laughs> but it involves also a volitional change, a change of purpose, a change of, of what, where, where, what are my life's goals? What are, what are the directions I want my life to take me? A change of, of, of our views, a change of our opinions, a change of our feelings, and a change of our purpose in life. To serve the Lord. And so it includes a, a recognition of sin. You first got, the day that come to God must first know that He is. But we have to recognize our, who we are when we come into the presence of God. You just can't come boldly and march right into the throne room of, of the king. If you read in the book of Esther, she was a fearful to walk into the, to the king's throne and ask a petition. You had to be summoned in. And I don't know... If into the presence of the Almighty God, into the presence in the throne room of God, to be just boldly come and usher ourselves in there and, and walk in and begin to tell God what we want. That's a little brazen if you think about who God is. But it includes when we recognize who we are and recognize what we, what, what we really deserve and who we really are, it brings us to a place where I understand that I can't just 
march into the presence of God and declare myself and declare who I am and declare, but I, I have to fall a contrition or a godly sorrow that I know who I am. And in that case, I can't just come and march into his presence, but I come by the grace of God. I become by the mercy of God that he calls me in and a decision to forsake the sins, a decision to change my life and a decision to walk differently. And when we do those things in our lives, we change who we are. We change what we wear. We change how we talk. We change how we look. We change how there's there's not a part of your life that should be untouched. There's not a clock. Let let me just tell you, you you give up. we, We in this country think, that we have a right to privacy. If you got an internet or you're on any kind of website, you, you, you might as well sign on the dotted line. You have no right to privacy. Ask Michael about it. That's kind of what he would do. You got any privacy, Michael? When we're on the internet? No. Shaking his head. But I want to tell you, 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 you give up your right to privacy when you come live for God. Think about look. I can prove that if you want to go to uh, Hebrews chapter number four. It's not even in the notes either. But Hebrews chapter number four. And, and let's just look. Let's look in verse 12 and verse 13. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even, dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You waive your privacy when you allow, the, when you begin to come into the presence of God. You waive your privacy, and I'll prove it in the very next verse. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And when we want to come into the presence of God, you have to know you're coming into the presence of a God who already knows you. He already knows all about you. He already knows your thoughts. He already knows the the thoughts and intentions of your heart. He's already discerned some things about you. And when we come into the presence of God, we need to come with, with a repentant heart and come, and come knowing that it's by His mercy and by His grace that we can call upon His name. And be careful when we come and understand that I don't just come to God and bring a petition that says, God this, God that, God do this, God do that, and then also give Him an answer. God, I, you need to do this and, and then tell Him how to, He needs to do it. But we need to come into a place where we recognize the authority of who he is and the the majesty of who he is and how little that we really are. And that the only occasion we have to even speak to him is because his mercy and because he bids us to come and because we've broken our hearts and changed our ways and changed our views and our feelings and our opinions about things. And we walk in the spirit of repentance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And so let's move on into... Psalms 51, verse 17. It says, The sacrifices of God. I'll take time to turn here. I'll slow down. That's what I do. My wife says I go too fast. So I slow down while they turn the pages. That's really bad planning. I want to read, I knew I wanted to read a different verse with it too, but in verse number 16, 
It says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. But the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. God doesn't desire to take things. God doesn't desire that you would just give him things. But God wants your heart. He already, you gave up the right to privacy already, and what you have is already his. He owns the gold. He owns everything. Everything that we have is his anyway. But he desires our hearts. He desires a broken spirit and a contrite heart. That's what God's not going to despise. And I thank him today for that. The sacrifices of God that are pleasing to him are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 28. I normally would put tabs in here so I can turn quick. Twenty-eight verse thirteen. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Mark chapter two, verse seventeen. They that are whole have no need of a physician. This is where the scribes and the Pharisees were questioning Jesus about the conduct of, of Jesus' disciples and how that they weren't obeying the way, the strictness of the law and whatever, and that he's eating with publicans and sinners. Imagine that, eating with publicans and sinners. But they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And when we recognize who we are in the presence of God, it should move us to a place of repentance. 1 John 1 and 9. And, and I want to read verse 8 and 10 also. It says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10. Dead air. It's bad. My wife has given me the eye. Second Corinthians. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Repentance is our first step of faith, and it's necessary to salvation. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. I thank God that he basically just pulls the card out from under you. A lot of times he just kind of redirects your understanding, redirects your life. You have plans, but they get interrupted. You have, and, and, and kicking out the cart out from underneath you leads you to a place where, where you begin to wonder about things, begin to wonder about your life, the direction of your life. But godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. 
Mark 1 and 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So there's a, a plenty of com commandments from God that we should have a place of repentance in our lives. And in verse 30 of chapter 7, or excuse me, verse 3 of chapter 13 of Luke, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Acts 17 and verse 30, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. That leaves no exceptions. That leaves no one else. If you're going to come to God, you're going to come to God with a repentant spirit. You're going to come to God with repentance. There's no other way to approach the throne room of God except repentance. And it's not that hard when you realize who that He is and recognize who that we are. It, it should lead us to a place of repentance. In 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I'm thankful that God in His own time, in His own patience, in His own season, will do the things necessary to bring us to a place. And some takes longer, and some are moved easier, and some are a little hard-headed, but God will bring you to a place of repentance and God is long-suffering. I'm so thankful today that God is patient for us. And, and, and God is kind to us, to wait on us. And then I also want to share a thought with you too today. That we, we come to God in an initial act of repentance. And uh, in 42 years I've learned that it's not the only repentance you have. It's just about a daily repentance. It's just about, and, and, and really when we think about it, we, we are continually repenting. I, I, I know, in, and again, I apologize for personal reference, but that's what I know, is I know that if I had only one repentance in my life, I might as well have quit the very next day. Because we come to God, we come with a repentant spirit. We come to God, we understand who He is and that, that we need His mercy and we need His goodness in our lives. And so if you, we need to learn how to repent. We need to learn how to, that when we come into the presence of God that we bear our hearts and our souls. If you want a touch from God in your life and direction and leading from God, then we need to come having our hearts emptied out of who we are and come and, and understanding who He is and a repentance, to, that, that turning away, that, that sin becomes filthy, that sin becomes exceeding sinful. And God in, in, enables us to break away from things. He's able to take even the, and, and the very desire for sin out of your life. And, and oftentimes there's something left in a person's life that, that they struggle against, whether it be uh, nicotine or pornography. And, and statistically, I don't, I don't even like statistics. I don't know where they come from exactly. But I have heard and read that statistically in an average Christian congregation, 60% of the men in the congregation will be engaged in some type of pornography. And those are Christian congregations. So do we need to come to God with a repentant heart? There's things, there are things that are left in our lives oftentimes that will cause us to repent, that will cause us to search our direction and cause us. And, and, and so many other things. And, and in other cases, there's a miraculous deliverance. There's, there's testimonies in this house of deliverances from, at, a, at a repentance experience and water baptism in Jesus' name. There is a complete and utter change in a person's affections and a change that 
of things that struggle them. And yet in other times, there's a struggle that's left behind that causes us repentance. It causes us to search for the strength of God to keep us and to cleanse us today. But in, in doing so, repentance should cause us to want to turn away. And, and not continue to embrace it. Like I said earlier, you, you don't have any privacy. You, you gave that up. Because God sees and knows all things. There's nothing hidden from the counsel of his eye. Everything is open and naked before him. It, we, so when we understand that, if we struggle with something in our lives, understand that God is, leaves it there oftentimes for us to just maybe to try us to see how willing we are, how hungry we are, how desperate we are, how much we know we need His strength and His Spirit in us. He gives us the Holy Ghost to equip us and gives us His Spirit to give us the strength to be able to overcome, to bring conviction in our lives. And, and we need, as a daily walk and as a daily condition of our relationship with God, we need to learn to repent. Every day. The Holy Ghost in us ought to cause us to repent. And I, it, there, there's attitudes that come up. If you're going to interact with people on any given day in any given place, there, there, somebody's going to aggravate you. Somebody's just going to look at you and, and like, what are you looking at? And if, if, that, if that's not true, then go get in your car and drive uptown for a little bit and see if you don't get angry at somebody. There's knuckleheads driving. I'm sure I've been called a knucklehead before too. And Brendan calls me names, so he's just checking to see if I got the Holy Ghost or not. I prayed through. I got official records of it too. He even types it out and sends it to me. I love him anyway. I'm not sure he loves me. But you know what? The complete work of forgiveness and remission comes through repentance and water baptism. And, and he talks about in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Our remission is... It, it, Repentance deals with a person's sinful lifestyle, while baptism deals with a record and consequences of sin. Repentance prepares the way for a personal relationship with God, qualifying us for baptism of water and spirit. Let's just understand that repentance is an ongoing process. It's, it's never finished. We're never done. And as we draw closer to God, He'll reveal new things in our lives. He'll reveal different depths that He wants to take us to. And he'll take us to those depths when we repent and when we draw closer to him. And in drawing closer to him, it will reveal more about us that we need. We can't just come to God as we are, but we have to come with a cleansing. We have to come with his blood. We have to come with his, with his spirit set upon us today. Thank you for your attention today. I hope I wasn't too boring, but God is good to us. And I thank God, and, and ne never think of, of a repentance as, as something that you don't want to do. And oftentimes it's a grievous thing to do, and oftentimes it's a hard thing to do. And I know I have sat in need of repentance and, and, and at times just sit quietly and, and not even say a word. 
and just wonder, how can I even talk to God? Except, and then after a period of understanding, you begin to remind yourself, I can talk to him because of his mercy. I can talk to him because he calls me to talk to him. I can come to him when I come with a repentant heart. And so instead of sitting in silence, I'm able finally to approach the throne. I'm able finally then to enter into the presence of God. And, then, and I've never been disappointed in entering in. Times when you don't even want to speak because you know your thoughts and I know who I am. But I also remind myself that I can come because of who he is. And I can come because he invites me to come. And I can talk to him because he makes a way for me to come. And, and in that way then, you come with a repentant heart, a repentant spirit, and God never fails to touch us. He never fails to bring the conviction that moves us, and he never fails to give us an opportunity to start out all over again and to get back up on your feet and walk. And I, I'm looking at a group of people that know what I'm talking about, that know what it means to come into the presence of God and know what it means to have to come and, and say, God, here I am for what it's worth. Cleanse me, make me what I ought to be. And God has never failed us. He's faithful to us. I'm thankful to be part of a church today that, that's not afraid to preach the truth. <laughs> And, and not just assuage some kind of feelings that we have and tell us that it's all good and God's all, God's all this big mushroom in the sky that'll take you however you are. He'll take you like you are, but if, he doesn't want to leave you like you are. He wants you to be like him. He wants you to draw closer to him. He wants to talk with you. He wants you to feel his presence and feel his spirit and, and hear his voice. And in doing so, then we have to rid ourselves of our own selves. And let God speak to us and so that we can hear him today. Let's stand today and give God thanks. I'm thankful today that God is so good to us. I'm thankful today for his mercy. I'm thankful today that he gives us a place and an opportunity for repentance. And a place and an opportunity where we can come and, and meet him face to face. We thank you today, God.